0: 2023, do you believe that? Holy cow. All right, we wish you a
1: happy, blessed new year and, and all that. And uh, I'd like to welcome you here. It's a nice morning, it's warm, it's not frigid cold,
0: so that's good. And uh, I'd like to welcome guests, especially if you're here. Uh, we hope
1: you feel welcome at Maranatha. So if you could, please stand as you are able to and worship the Lord with us.
2: Well, good morning and welcome uh, to our services this morning and a happy new year to you all. It's good to see uh, your faces and we are glad you're here to worship with us this morning. We have uh, just a few announcements that we want to let you know about. Uh, First of all, next week, if you came at the time you came at today, you would be early because we are uh, going down to one service starting next week at 9 a.m. What time is service next week? I'm so excited to see how many of you forget that. (laughs) Uh, That'll be followed by our usual coffee and fellowship time, and then uh, that will be followed by our adult discipleship groups as well as our kids and teen uh, discipleship groups as well. Um, And we encourage you to sign up for those so that we know how many are coming, how many materials we need to order, and you can do that at the welcome desk. Uh, There are four currently to choose from, and if you can't decide between one or the other, some of them are will be uh, continually rotated through every 10 weeks and you'll go through for 10 weeks and then you'll find a new one and some uh, will be new every 10 weeks so you'll do 10 and then maybe if you want to stay with your facilitator it'll be a new new topic or a new book of the Bible uh, the next go around. So I encourage you to sign up for those. Um, we are very excited to get those rolling. Uh, second of all, something we uh, do here at Maranatha is we have a prayer calendar, a missions calendar, so I encourage you to pick one of these up. Uh, it gives uh, just some small prayer prompts Uh, for us as a church to be praying um, for our ministry here and different ministries that we support around the world and you can pick those up uh, on your way out lastly uh, i remembered this this morning on january 22nd we will be headed to skate city for our annual skate party this is a free event for all ages if you want to come to skate that's great if you want to come and watch people fall down that's great um whatever, whatever your skill level of skating will be, uh, last year Doug Steen was amazing. If you've ever seen that guy on skates, that was incredible. Um, so that will be at 5 p.m. on January 22nd. We'll meet over there. It's free for everybody. Bring friends, bring family, um, and we're excited for that. And now I invite Pastor Cody to come share from the word with us.
1: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to see everyone here this morning, and... Yeah, So we are going through the Gospel of Mark in a series that I've titled With Christ in the School of Discipleship. And we're going through that looking primarily at two concepts. Messiahship and then discipleship. If you recall, the first seven chapters were heavy on the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. He truly is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And then after chapter 7, chapter 8, and following, we've been looking kind of at more discipleship. And one question we've been looking at as we look at discipleship is, who really are His followers? Mark makes it clear what a disciple is through calling, through trials, and mission. Now we at Maranatha, we often, and this is kind of our primary way we have sermons, different churches do sermons different ways. We at Maranatha, we have sermons that are preached through typically the entire book of the Bible. We'll pick a book of the Bible and we'll go through this. In fact, we're going through Mark. We went through James. We went through Ephesians. It's kind of the way we were doing things. But once in a while, we will go through topical sermons. Most of our sermons are expository preaching. The preacher takes the main point of that passage and then makes the main point the main point of the sermon. And then, that main point, we look at how to apply that to our life. So, expository preaching is primarily what we have here at Maranatha. We go through Scripture and we do that. And we want to apply that to our lives. In fact, if you want to learn more about the Bible, learn more how to dive and deep, get deeper in the Bible, one of the adult discipleship groups that we're is I'm going to be teaching one on how to study the Bible. So I know some of you, you do a WANA at Wednesday night, where you're involved in the youth group and you're always like, oh, I wish I could do that class, the office name. Now's your time to join that group. And when we go through expository preaching, when we go through the Bible, sometimes a verse at a time, paragraph at a time, this allows God to set the agenda. We follow this book that we're going through or books that we've gone through. And rather than hear what the preacher thinks he wants people to hear which happens sometimes at churches. We don't miss out on sometimes difficult or at times offensive passages. If it was just up to the preacher, he could be preaching through. And I remember, I'll never forget this. I remember when I was at Arrowhead Bible Camp, we had, a, we had a guest preacher for a weekend. It was Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend. And he was going through a passage. And he literally said this. He said, well, I'm a Baptist, so I'm skipping this part. And I was like, you can't do that. But anyways... We focus on Scripture. And again, like I said, once in a while, as I've done in the past, we sometimes pause and do a certain topic based upon a passage. Still expository preaching through the passage, such as marriage, such as prayer, such as worship. We've taken times doing that. Advent. Sometimes we'll do a couple weeks just on Advent. So like today, usually, in fact, I look through my notes, every not January 1st, but every first Sunday of January, what I do is I kind of pause our normal series and what I do is I take time and focus on the importance of God's Word. Because it's a new year and we want to keep this center in our lives. And hopefully this isn't just a resolution, this is something that is always a part of our lives. And here's what we're going to do for the next four weeks. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do a mini-series within the book of Mark here. What we're going to do for the next few weeks, we're going to combine both topical and expository preaching. We're going to go through Mark chapter 10, verses 35-45, through and I've titled this little four-part series The Way of the Master. And to me, I just want to say this, to me, this section that we'll be getting into this month is probably one of the most life-changing passages that I've ever do- dove into and it's really impacted my life in many ways. And what we're going to do is we're going to be asking four questions that we'll address each week. Not always in this order, but we're going to be addressing these questions here. What is this, or why is discipleship so important? Again, we're looking at this series that I've titled With Christ in the School of of discipleship and we're going to be asking this question why is discipleship so important and at times we'll be looking at the culture of the church not not mainly our church but the culture of the American church and seeing why we need discipleship today another question that we'll be asking is how did Jesus either talk about demonstrate or teach on this topic of discipleship so we'll be primarily looking at Mark Chapter ten again, thirty-five through forty-five. Third question: We'll be looking at what is discipleship based upon the passage that we're looking at. We will then kind of work and get an idea of what is discipleship based upon this. And one of the that's what we wanted. That's expository preaching is looking at the passage, seeing what it is, instead of going, "Here's our definition of discipleship," and then reading a passage and going, "Oh, let's let's make that fit our definition." So we want to then work on defining what discipleship is based upon that study. And lastly, what are we doing as a church for you? Discipleship is very important for us as a church. And how are we doing? That's why we are, it's going to be very unique in the next couple months here as we pack everyone together, first and second service together in one room for the worship service at 9 o'clock. And we want to do that because we want to foster more relationships, get you connected to one another more and more And then, after our fellowship and donut time, then we're going to do our adult discipleship group so we can then foster that more and more, get you more into the Word. So I'm excited about this little series that we're going to be going through, and I'm excited about today. So just let's take a moment and pray and get our hearts ready before we get into the Word. Father, I thank You for every day You give us. It's another year. And Lord, I thank You that You have been faithful through last year. Last year was a great year in many ways. Last year was a hard year in many ways. Many of us, as we think back through last year, we think of maybe tears that were shed. Broken relationships. The struggles we've had. And in our hearts, we long for the new. And as Christians, we know that There is a new coming, a new heaven, a new earth. And Lord, I just pray that as we this year follow You, we keep the Word, the center. Christ, You are this living Word. And I just pray for this morning. I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about the next couple weeks as we dive into Mark, as we look at other passages about discipleship. This is very dear to my heart. And I'm excited that we as a church are going to try different things just so we can connect with You more. As we dive in different Bible study groups, I'm excited for that. So Lord, I pray You just guide us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen? amen. So we at Maranatha, we have core values. And in fact, if you walk into the lobby there, you look up, we have a list of all of our core values on the wall one of our core values is committed to evangelism evangelism is this aspect of taking the good news the gospel message and proclaiming that to someone who maybe hasn't heard the gospel or maybe knows the gospel and calling for a commitment that they would follow christ so we are very committed to evangelism and how many of you would say raise your hand if you say you may might have the gift of evangelism i Take a look. I knew that would kind of would be the case. Where not many people are like, uh, maybe. Okay, let me try this one. How many of you in this room wish you had the gift of evangelism like Billy Graham had? Raise your hand. Well, look at, look at the difference, right? Why? Because we want people to know Jesus Christ, right? We want people to truly escape the reality of hell. Hell is real and... Worship with us at the feet of Christ someday in heaven. Wouldn't that be great? So imagine if you, so I'm going to do just a comparison here, a comparison of evangelism and discipleship. Imagine if you were an evangelist and you were able to reach one person every day. How many would like that gift? Okay, yeah, I mean, I would love that gift. Compared to discipleship. Now, look at this. A disciple trains or mentors one person per year. After one year, obviously, we got 365 for the evangelist, and a disciple maker, one. Okay. The next year, 730 people compared to four. Well, the disciple makers, two, because it's that person in their, their training, so two, and then they would go and do others. 730 people. How many of you personally know someone that's led that many people to Christ? Anybody? I do, but okay. Maybe some people can. Okay, right? Well, can you imagine? I mean, look at this list. I mean, seven, a thousand people. Oh, to have the gift of evangelism, one per day. Imagine. But what I want you to do now? Look at the next chart that we got here. Take up the next slide here. If you could go to the next slide, Julie. There we go. Noticed. The difference here. Evangelism continues. One per day, but discipleship is one per year. But what's happening here? Look at the end of that. Go to the next slide here. Take a look. Maybe you can't see the numbers here. Year 32, an evangelist, 11,000 people. That would be amazing, right? Oh, but look at discipleship. That's not 4,000. That's not 4 million, right? That's for how many? Billion. So here it is. This is the difference between addition and multiplication. That's pretty serious. Our church, one of the phrases that we often say as pastors and leadership, we say, Make disciples that make disciples. Notice the whole world could be one in someone's lifetime if they took seriously discipleship. What if a church had as its focus discipleship? Now some churches are big on evangelism. That's their main, main focus. Imagine if a church, if their only focus was converts only and not discipleship. We are committed to evangelism. Absolutely, it's one of our core values. But another core value that we have is intentional in discipleship. So here's what I want you to do. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. I know you maybe you already jumped ahead to, to Mark chapter 10, anticipating we'd be there. Just turn a couple pages back to Matthew 28. This is what we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28. And I remember back in the days when I would travel and speak a lot, there were a couple times I would go to conferences where they had a missionary conference and they would use this passage as kind of their main theme to spur people on to missions. The Great Commission here. So take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at 19 and 20. Take a look at this here. So here we have it. It says, therefore, it's going to be up on the screen here, therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you, always to the very end of the age. Notice in our English Bibles, we have four main verbs, and we kind of got those a little bit larger for you on the screen there. We got four main verbs in our Bibles We got go, make, teach, and obey. Do we got obey? Okay, that should be larger in there. So go make, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Go um, make, baptize, teach. Those are, those are the main, main verbs in, in our Bibles there. It's interesting, in the original language, there's only one main verb. In fact, there's really only one verb. All the others are participles. What do you think the main verb is? Now at the missionary conferences, what's the main verb to them? Go, right? Okay, yeah. I mean that makes sense. Jesus says, "Go." It is make disciples. In fact, it's imperative. It's a command. It's primary. So take a look at it. So here it is: is therefore go and make disciples. That's pretty much the only verb in this passage here when it comes to all other verbs that we have. Are subordinate to that. They're secondary to this word. They are adverbal participles that modify. Here we're getting all this, they modify the main verb make disciples. It's like adding ing to it. As you're going, make disciples. As you're baptizing, make disciples. of people are baptized. Then through that process, make disciples. As you're teaching them, make disciples. He doesn't command us to go. He doesn't command us to make converts. He doesn't command us to do evangelism. Although we're going to see this in a moment. Evangelism is the first part of discipleship. His main command here is make disciples. So as you're going, make disciples. As you're baptizing, as people are coming to the Lord, make disciples. As you're teaching them, make disciples. So as you're going, in your home, through daily routine, make disciples. As people are coming to the Lord through evangelism, happening, make disciples. And as people need growth, we need to teach them. To follow the Lord and submit to the requirements that Jesus lays out, that we will see more in the next couple of weeks in Mark chapter 10, and his instructions that new believers we must follow Jesus and his ways. Here's what my father in law wrote concerning this passage here The command is not to evangelize, but to perform the broader and deeper task of discipling the nations. Many denominations and mission groups misunderstand this and spend all efforts winning new converts rather than anchoring them in the Christian faith. Jesus mandates that all mission activity emulate His pattern of discipling followers. They must be brought to the understanding and to that deep ethical commitment and teaching of Jesus. So, as much as I would love the gift of evangelism, one per day, that's great, that's only addition. Jesus does multiplication. So it comes kind of comes down to the statement here. God did not call us to make converts, He called us to make disciples. That's very important. And this is what Jesus lays out for the church in the great. Commission. So this is kind of just to give you a feel. Okay, we want to focus on discipleship. And it's interesting as we look at different churches and we look at church history, there's been different models and different ways of making disciples. Some are churches treat people disciples are learners. Here's our curriculum, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go through this, plow through this, learn a bunch of information. And this is more in the Western world. We're big on thinking and cognitive reasoning and all this stuff. So we want to get as much information about the Bible. Also. So disciples are learners. Get as much doctrine as you can so you understand the truths of the Christian faith. There's nothing wrong with that. Or disciples are followers of traditions. And many churches kind of have a lot of traditions laid out, they've got the calendar. You're mapped out and and every year they kind of go through the same traditions. Or they have specific traditions based upon the different denomination that they have. This is what we believe. This is always what we believe. Don't break the mold. Or they're followers of modern traditions. Wanting to combine Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus behavior modification. Jesus plus politics. Jesus plus whatever. Or, disciples are the committed believers. The committed believers come to first service, not second service. They don't sleep in, right? Committed believers are the ones, oh, they're the ones who show up for every event. They're committed. And sometimes, sadly, in the church, this happens often, this happens even in Maranatha once in a while, we kind of look at, oh, these are the ones. They're the ones who are committed And the other ones, they don't show up for anything. Maybe once a month, and they're not so committed. And we have this two-tier Christianity. Disciples compared to backsliders. Any backsliders in here? No, that's second service. They'll get a lot of hands there. Disciples are the committed ones. Or sometimes, unfortunately, some treat disciples as they're the ones who are the ministers. Where the average Christian, you're just the average Christian, but ministers, oh, they're the true disciples. Or, disciples are converts. So here's a very simple definition that we will see as we go through Mark chapter 10. More and more we'll see this. Disciples are truly committed to following Jesus. And that could be you. You might be truly fo- truly committed to following Jesus. You may not be able to show up to every church event cuz you're a single mom and you have kiddos running all over and there's no way you can make it to every church event. You might be a disciple who's truly committed to following Jesus and you're not here at church every Sunday because guess what? Farm stuff happens. Your job, your situation, yet you're truly, truly committed to Jesus. And what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is looking at Mark chapter 10. Committed to following Jesus, dying to self, being a servant of the Master who is the great one to follow. So discipleship means living a life in this world in union with Jesus Christ. And this is what we have written about our church. And some of it, we have even a longer paragraph on this. Living a life in this world in union with Jesus Christ and growing and conforming with His image with a passion for God. By the Spirit, using your gifts to fulfill your calling and lead others to do the same in Christ. We're bringing others along. Letting others know about the beauty of the gospel using your gifts that the Spirit has given you. And we want to make disciples who make disciples. And it's important again, it's discipleship is not the same as just getting converts. Although evangelism and people coming to know Jesus, turning to their, their faith in Christ, that's the starting point of discipleship. Discipleships are converts in the process of being completely won over to Jesus Christ. I'm committed to following Him. I may still have some areas in my life that are pretty rough, and I want to be committed to Him. And I want to be totally won over to Jesus Christ. A disciple is a student of Jesus. My life is being transformed by the Word of God and following Him. So here's an example of A difference between converts and disciples. Converts change religions. Change masters. And sometimes they kind of change often. Where disciples, sorry, disciples are the ones who change masters. Instead of following yourself or the world, they follow Jesus. Converts only want quantity. Give me as much as I can. Let's have the biggest church, biggest events. Let's get as much as we can happening where disciples desire deep, Quality. Converts follow a program. Disciples follow a person. Converts build denominations. Disciples build the kingdom of God. Converts enjoy rituals. Disciples embrace a holy way of life. Converts love. Conversion, disciples, love, committed transformation where daily, monthly, yearly, we are being more and more transformed as we behold the beauty of our Lord to become more like Him. It's more than asking people to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We need to teach that, absolutely. And we need to teach that it's a total life commitment as we belong to Him, and serve with our whole life, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. We win souls, we baptize, and we teach for the purpose of becoming more like Christ. And that's discipleship. So in the next three weeks, we will get into our passage Mark. Again, like I said, it's one of the most life-changing passages for me that I've ever dealt with. In our world, it's easy to find people who want to lead, who want to be the main person, who want to have all the focus on them. Look at me and look at what I'm doing. And it's hard today to find ones who will follow. Yet a true leader, listen to this, a true leader is one who follows Christ. Amen? A true leader is one who is a follower. And we believe to lead is to follow. Follow Christ. We will seek to follow Christ in the way of the cross, in the way of the Master. So the next couple of weeks are going to be deep. They're going to be hard. They're going to be good. They're going to be life-changing. Because we're going to learn to set ourself and our desires... They're not godly that may be a little off kilter of what the Lord wants and pursue what He wants. So how do we grow then in our Christ-likeness and spiritual walk? The beginning of the year, it's, it's the New Year's. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? Okay. It seems less and less people are doing that, and that's fine. I'm not big into New Year's resolutions. Sometimes I'll do that. This year I'm going to shoot... Seven deer. Okay, that's my resolution. Okay, that is you know. We make resolutions because we want to better our lives, better ourselves, make a change. How many of you want to make a change in your life because things aren't the best? Okay, let's work on that. Yeah, we do. None of ours are perfect yet. And New Year's is a time to do that. We want to be more disciplined. In our walk with Christ, yet discipline is a hard thing. Discipline. Sometimes the older we get, the more discipline we get because I've already done that. I'm fine. But discipline is important. I remember when I was in Washington State. We were there for only three years. I remember when I was there. As you know, I was big into mountaineering. I loved mountaineering. I was in the mountains, and I was I I'm a peak bagger, where I want to get as many peaks as I could. In fact, I had a goal to do 100 peaks, get to the summit and go, ah, did that one, did that one, to do 100 summits. We were there only three years, so that, that didn't happen. But through the process of, of all my mountaineering, I did some mountaineering courses and classes at the, the local college there. I joined the mountain rescue, the Olympic mountain rescue. And as I joined the group, I remember the, the day that they, they, they voted me in, and I, I sat there and I looked around, and I'm like, man. These guys are all people who live in Washington most of their life. They've lived in the mountains, and, and they are they you know they're like bulging with muscles, and I'm kind of this tall skinny guy, I'm like oh man. And everyone had a specific skill set in the group. Like one guy was great with kayaks. A lot of them skied. I never skied. You know they just they, they I was, but but they were very very disciplined. And I realized even before joining the mountain rescue, I was I need to be more disciplined. I need to be more fit physically. So where we lived, literally two and a half blocks away, I could walk to it, was a gym. And I would go there every other day because I needed to discipline my body, get ready, be fit. Because if I got a call, someone's lost up on Rainier. And the elevation that my house was at was 120 feet above sea level. Mount Rainier is a 14er. In fact, where you meet Is at 5,000 feet. So I had to get my body fit, disciplined. How many of you like going to the gym? Okay, don't raise your hand. Okay, some of you do. That's great. All right. How many of you don't like going to the gym? Just be honest, all right? I'm gonna be honest. I haven't gone to the gym since I've moved here. We need to be disciplined. I needed to be disciplined. In fact, when I got there, I saw one dude. He was just like doing curls. He just had biceps the size of my head. I'm like, whoa, I want to be like that guy, right? And I realized, no. The reason I'm at this gym is to get my heart ready for doing serious mountain stuff and my legs. Because I don't know if you've ever gone through mountains and you're the first guy. It's called kicking steps. Your legs burn. Kicking steps up these snowfields. So I was on that walking machine non-stop. My calves would burn so i had to discipline myself and i had a reason discipline without direction is painful and boring and you give up for instance if i would tell you lift 50 pounds four hours a day how many of you would do that didn't think so if i would say you will get a million dollars if you lift 50 pounds a day for the next month. How many would do that? Okay, hands are all over the place. You have a reason. You have a purpose. Now there's a goal in mind. Listen to 1 Timothy 4.7. In fact, take your Bibles and go. there. First 1 Timothy 4.7. Give you time to get there. 1 Timothy, again, you get all the T's. Uh, you get the, the epistles. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. and You get a bunch of T's. Thessalonians, Titus Timothy, you got all of those, and you got Hebrews is the big one. So if you get to Hebrews, you're going too far. Go to 1 Timothy chapter four, verse seven, and he uses this word discipline. We need discipline, and again, it's New Year's Day. We want to be disciplined in our commitments. We want to make these life changing goals. We want to be disciplined, but it says it doesn't say discipline yourselves. Look at this. He says discipline yourselves for the purpose. Lift 50 pounds four hours a day for the purpose of getting a million dollars. I'd be lifting 50 pounds. Why do we discipline ourselves? This is a key verse. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You and I, we need to be more disciplined. We need to hit the spiritual gym. We need to be disciplined for the purpose of godliness. Because we want to be more and more like Christ. Our goal is to be more like Christ. The alternative of discipline is disaster and painful things. Imagine if the doctor you go, you've got a bunch of pain, you go to the doctor, you go, ah, yeah, something's not feeling right, I don't feel right. And the doctor goes, oh, don't worry. You've got a life-threatening disease. And you're like, don't worry? Yeah, you'll die very soon. Don't worry about it. And you're like, what kind of a doctor is this? I need a second opinion. But he says, but, the reason I say don't worry is because if you take this medication every hour, and do this exercise every hour, you won't die. Now the disciplined person would say, yes, I will do that medicine and that exercise exactly as you say, so I don't die. The non-disciplined person would say, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to live forever. The alternative of discipline is disaster and painful things that may happen. We do these things so we can be more like Christ. And in disciplines there must be grace. Let me just say this just as a side note I thought about this. Some of you who make commitments like okay Let's say you have a big struggle. And I'm just making something up here. Let's say, alright, you go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you got too many triglycerides in your body. you got to cut on your fat content and your salt content. You know what? Chill on the bacon. Oh, okay. But you love bacon. I love bacon. you got to be more disciplined. And you're with a bunch of friends and you're out at a restaurant and you eat a bacon cheeseburger and you eat a bacon cheeseburger and you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? We treat ourselves like that when it comes to some of the spiritual disciplines we have. Some of you are trying to make commitments. I'm going to stop doing this habit that I have in my life. I'm going to stop treating people like this. I'm going to be more graceful. I'm going to, do, I'm going to watch my tongue. I'm going to stop putting this substance in my body. These are great commitments to have. Have grace in that. A way to dwell with Him. A way to grow To be disciplined so we can be more godly is what we call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are a way, a key, for our growth in Christ. They are tools. And when practiced, we can then benefit our lives in many ways. In realistic ways. Pursuing a fruitful and healthy relationship with others and with Christ. Let me, In fact, I don't have the list up here, but let me just give you a bunch of spiritual disciplines that we have. Prayer. I would encourage you to pray more this year. Pray. God meets us where we're at. And we have communion with Him, so I encourage you to pray more. Another one is a spiritual discipline is fasting. Fasting is this time when we give up eating. Instead of eating, instead of feeding our bodies, we Feed our souls with only Christ. We get away and dive into the Word and we pray and we focus on Him in silence and solitude. Service is another great spiritual discipline. Confession, worship, celebration, the giving of your talents and tithes. That's why we have an offering in the back. These are many spiritual disciplines we have. But the most, I would say, and this is the evangelical in me, the most important discipline, spiritual discipline, is the reading of the Bible. This is the most important spiritual discipline there is. No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. In fact, all other disciplines stem from... The reading of God's Word, your prayer life, your giving, your use of your talents, your service, all the other ones lead to that. And we as a church want you to study the Word more and more. In fact, that's why one of the reasons why we are getting this, we're doing this transition where we're going to pack everyone in one service to create and foster fellowship more. And the adult discipleship groups, so you get in the Word more. In fact, as you go to the, in fact, there's not many people sign up, so I encourage you, after we're done, put your name down so we know which group you're going to be involved in. And then we can kind of, if we need to adjust where those groups will be. So, why study the Bible? Just here's a few things I encourage you write these down, remember these things. These are some reasons why we study the Bible. Number one, Is to know God more. I read this to know Him more. In fact, if you haven't done this, I did this a couple times. In the front of your Bible, write this. Write this down. What does this tell me about God? So you read a paragraph, you read a chapter, you're reading. You go, okay, that was nice. Then just go, what does this tell me about God? Our number one reason that we read the Bible is to know God more, to deepen. Our walk with him to know him more intimately, know God. Number two, growth. 1 Peter chapter 2 2. We want to grow. The more we read God's word, the more we can grow. Third, maturity. Multiple verses I have written down here. We want to become more and more mature in the faith, not like children, but more mature. Here's a key one. To know and hear God's will. To know and hear God's will. Right here, if you want to know God's will, this is God's will. I'm not saying like, okay, where should we eat today? Alright, here we go. I just opened up the Bible. We are going to the rising sun. Is there a rising sun? No, no, it's not like that. This is God's will. To know and hear His will. And to have spiritual effectiveness. We get the Word of God in us so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do His will. 2 Timothy chapter 3.17 And we do this in three ways. Let me close in three ways here. Devotional reading. And I thought about it. We've done this before. We've given, we printed off little charts for you. You can read through the Bible in a year. We've, we've ordered some. We've, we've given you websites. And I encourage you, just, just go online. Nowadays, you got, like my phone, it's somewhere. You can have apps that give you the daily reading. Maybe reading the Bible is just way too much for you in one year. And that's fine. Then read the New Testament in a year. At least do that. Don't start so huge where you feel like, oh, I failed. I didn't get through Leviticus 19. Great chapter. Just go through the New Testament. Go online. Today's the first day. Go online. Do a daily devotional reading. Start with just the New Testament. Or if you want, this is a popular way to do it, is there's typically 30 or 31 days per month. In a month. And the book of Proverbs has how many chapters? 31. So whatever day it is, you read that proverb. So it's January 10th, you're going to read Proverbs chapter what? 10. So every day you're reading one of the Proverbs based upon what day it is. If you miss one, it's okay. Give yourself some grace. Don't be so legalistic like, oh, I didn't read it. I'm such a bad Christian. I'm going to burn in hell forever. Just relax. Maybe read a proverb per day. Do Daily devotions. This is where again where we hear the Word of God. And I encourage you, get on a Bible reading plan. Honestly, I don't do Bible reading plans because I'm already so heavily in the Bible. This, that way I was like, oh, I'm already reading the Bible. That's my excuse. But this year I realized I need to get back on a plan to do not just my... And pastors were notorious for this. We read the Bible a lot. But most of my Bible, here's my problem, most of my Bible reading can be caught up in the passage of that week. I'll translate it, I'll memorize it, I'm deep into it every day. I read the Bible more than anyone else. If I'm reading that just for a sermon, pastors sometimes need to step away from that. They need to do that. But also do reading the Bible just for their own souls. I'm, I'm good at that. But sometimes I get so busy in life that I forget to do the deep drinking of God's Word for my soul. Devotional reading. Study. Engaging ourselves with the written and spoken Word of God. So Sundays. So 9 o'clock next week, we are going to engage ourselves with the spoken Word of God. I'm going to read it out loud. I'm going to expound upon it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to explain what's happening here in this situation with Jesus and James and John, it's going to be great. Today we looked at Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through 20 looking at the reality of what Jesus is saying. It's about making disciples. We want to study God's Word. His written and spoken Word. It gives you greater insight into what the Bible is communicating and how we can apply that to our lives. And that's why we are doing, again, the adult discipleship groups. We've got a study in Colossians. A study in the book of Acts. And then we also have the study that I'm going to be teaching on how to study the Bible. How to read Leviticus 19 and understand all that. I'm excited about that study. Devotional reading study and memory. Memory. This is the last thing we're going to say here. i must give you some ideas to read. Memory. I encourage you. Memorize. One chapter of the Bible. Okay, you can go like, all right, great. I've got Psalm 117. It's an easy one, shortest chapter in the Bible. I encourage you memorize the book of the Bible. And if you don't know what book to I'm sorry, a book, a chapter. Okay, I'm stepping way up there. Okay. Memorize one chapter. And if you want to memorize one of the greatest chapters to ever memorize, it's what? Romans 8. Okay, how many of you have memorized Romans 8? didn't think so. I encourage you. In fact, I've told this to the students. I've only had one student do it so far. I've got two. They're almost done. If you memorize Romans 8, I'll take you to your favorite restaurant that has steak, uh, you know, because I like steak. Memorize Romans 8. Read it this week and you'll realize that's why we should memorize Romans 8. Because there are going to be times you're going to feel so. You're going to feel so out there. You're going to feel so lost because we don't know what this year is going to have. And you're going to go, oh, Romans chapter 8, the middle. Or you're going to look at your life and you see all the failures that you have. And you're going to just be beating on yourself and just be like, I'm such a failure. Why do I? Oh, I'm just so messed up. My life and my choices are just so bad. And you can go, ah. As you condemn yourself, You'll think of Romans chapter eight verse one. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Memorize, memorize. And if you want a list of chapters, I've done this before, I've given you some of the great chapters that I think are in the Bible. I'll give those to you. I've got piles of chapters. I would encourage you, memorize a chapter of the Bible. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I once started to memorize this chapter, then I wasn't disciplined enough and I gave up. Partially because the length of it, longest chapter we have in the Bible, 176 verses. I've yet to do that. Anybody here have this one memorized? Some of the great people in church history that have shaped their current culture and the issues that their culture was dealing with, oh, they had this one memorized. Are we dealing with certain cultural issues today in the world, Right? Very serious issues. William Wilberforce, Martin Luther, to name a few. Sorry, Psalm chapter 119, verse 97. In closing, I want to send you off with this. And then on the screen, if you could put on the screen those books, I've got some books here. These are great books. Um, again, these, these notes are online so you don't have to write this down or get your phone take a picture. Get one of these books. These are great books to have in your library. The first one's a great one, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. talks about all the different spiritual disciplines. And again, in fact, he begins his first two, cha- or maybe the second chapter, chapter two and chapter three, but the first two, the, of all the spiritual disciplines, he's got two chapters dedicated to the Word of God. This is primary. Then he talks about prayer and and fasting and all the other disciplines, but the Word of God. Spiritual discipline for the Christmas life. And then a quest for godliness. Oh, it's great. It's thick. It's dense. If you read a lot, get that book. If you don't read a lot, maybe don't get that book. Maybe get one of the other books. It's thick. It's dense. It's awesome. And what he does is he takes a look at the great giants of America in the religious term of spiritual devotion, the Puritans. And great revivals that happen. And he looks at their life. It's just, what an awesome book. Seven Guides to Effective Prayer. My favorite book next to this on prayer. It's out of print, so you've got to get it on eBay or somewhere, but that is my favorite. The seven guides are not like seven steps, but seven people. George Mueller. Anybody hear of George Mueller? Hudson Taylor, Praying Hyde, Charles Finney. These great, great book, And then Disciplines of a Godly Man. Psalm, I should look at the time, I'm just going and going here. Psalm 119, verse 97. Every verse out of the 170 some verses here, every verse talks about the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. This is the one we should have etched into our memories, burned into our soul. Oh how I love your law I meditate on it all day long That's my prayer for you today That Psalm 119 verse 97 would be That's fresh That's what I want Oh how I love your law uh, I meditated on it all day Long. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. We have in our Bibles 66 books that contain this message of love. How You've created us in Your image. You made us good. and We sinned. We failed against Your holy plan. Your standard. But even at that moment, in Genesis 3, You had a plan. You knew that You would send Your great Son to take our place. And Lord, I thank You for the life that we have in You. This great salvation. But also, I thank You that we daily can be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we soak in the Word. Help us love Your law. That's hard for us because we don't like laws sometimes. They seem binding, restrictive. Oh, but Your law. There is liberty and freedom so we can be more and more like You. Help us engage with the Word. And help us as we go in these next... Three weeks, four weeks we're doing this, looking primarily at discipleship and the importance of becoming more like You. God, You're the faithful one. You are great. And we love You. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand and join us as we sing our last few songs. man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Our encouragement is that you keep your fingers in the Word, your eyes on the prize, Jesus Christ, as you continue this year. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Make sure you put your name on one of the groups that you're going to be involved with. Have a great week.